Welcome everyone to Splash Damage episode 94. I am your host, Scrivenaut, joined as always by my lovely wife and co-host. No, Rayla. We're back after a little break. Uh, and uh, You guys would do stuff. We wouldn't have to take so many breaks. Right, right. So uh, we're here to give you the correct opinions about video games and uh, nerd culture and stuff because we're never wrong. Never. So if you're like caught up in this wild world of nonsense and... Uh, you just don't know what to think. Well, we're going to tell you how to think, and it's going to be okay, because we are always right. We are always right. If you like the show, head on over to patreon.com slash Scrivenaut, and there you can throw some money our way and show show your support. Love if you it. don't want to do that, that's fine. We'll keep making the show for free. But uh, not too much on the agenda today. Just some uh, nonsense about Kotaku, some nonsense about Redfall, and uh, some other non-video game related stuff. Just some nonsense. Just some nonsense. Some That's nonsense. what we like to cover. We sure do. Um, I'm going to start with Redfall first because I don't really have like anything important to say about it except, man, what a disappointment. What a disappointment. Redfall, when I saw the original trailer for Redfall, to me it looked like Back for, uh, no, not Back for Blood, Left for Dead with vampires. Looked really cool. Cooperative shooter where you kill vampires and uh, earn powers and uh, first person shooter and all that good stuff. And... Uh, I liked the trailer so much that I decided to just not pay attention to the game until it came out. And sure enough, the game came out on Game Pass uh, just this past week. And it's a train wreck, man. It's it's made by Arcane, which is normally a good studio, but this, this game is ridiculous. I mean, it feels like a mobile game. It's so low in quality. The graphics are bad. The frame rate is locked at 30 FPS. Um, the, the AI is atrocious. I mean, atrocious. I just got done playing um, GoldenEye for the 64, and the AI is better in that game than it is in Redfall. <laughs> I mean, not being a little bit dramatic. It's almost a blessing because you know I have two kids now. I don't have time for gaming, and uh, it's like as soon as I have kids, as soon as I had kids, the gaming industry just decided to become really bad. And like there, there's like only like three or four decent AAA games that come out in a year now. When it used to be like hit after hit. I mean, every game is just rushed out the door they're horrible products um i mean the only reason i played redfall is because i already have game pass so it was free you know Mm -hmm. i didn't have to pay for it Mm -hmm. and uh it's a way for me and my buddy to play together and just kind of bond so we're going through it but man it is not great um we kind of just use it as a an excuse to hop online together and talk because you don't even need to think while playing this game i'm not paying attention to anything the story the nothing there's nothing redeeming about it um, except the fact that it's cooperative and uh, an FPS, two things I like. So uh, keep it up, I guess. Uh, Big game industry. Big I, I, uh, I mean, I don't mind it. I only, I, I don't mind the fact that there's only a couple decent games that come out in a, in a year. Um, I did just play through Wulong, uh, which was actually surprisingly fun. Pretty easy compared to other Soulsborne games, but uh, it was fun. Hundred percent of that in just a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, there's nothing that really excites me anymore. It's it's pretty sad, pretty sad state of affairs. Anyway, let's anywho, let's change gears to uh, the Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom or Tears. I think it's Tears. I don't know for sure. But Kotaku, guess what? They embarrassed themselves yet again this week, um, crying about the fact that they're blacklisted. So join me on this journey as we reminisce about how terrible of a website Kotaku is. 
So Kotaku, as you know, is just known for horrible coverage of video games. They have hilariously bad hot takes. The only quote-unquote real reporter that they had on their team left them quite a while ago at this point. Um, And he's a douchebag. Um, Jason Schreer, if you don't know who I'm talking about. So really, all they are is a glorified... uh, diary of these writers who just try and take use video games as a lens by which they you know complain about the world Mm. and so um to make a long story short they have been blacklisted by nintendo for quite a while now meaning that when a nintendo game comes out you know normally a publisher of a video game will send early copies for free to various publications for them and YouTubers for them to play it ahead of time and then they all release their reviews on the embargo date. Um, And for quite a while now, Kotaku has been blacklisted. In other words, Nintendo does not send them their games. They're like, if you want to review our products, you can buy it yourself on launch day and you can be behind everyone else. And uh, apparently there's been no public reason given for this blacklisting. They don't need one. No. Because uh, there's plenty of examples of Kotaku just being horrible. Um, for instance, according to Bounding Into Comics, and this is stuff that we've covered on the podcast before, but let's refresh ourselves. Let's refresh. Uh, there's a story that came out uh, titled Super Smash Bros. Ultimates uh, Persona 5 DLC Includes a Disability Slur. This is a story that was instantly debunked because of how ludicrous it is. Um, there's a song in the DLC for Super Smash Bros. Persona 5 DLC, and uh, the song has uh, a lyric that says, retort it, I think, quickly. And the writer of this Kotaku piece thought that the singer was saying retarded. And so she wrote a very, uh, she being very upset with this, wrote an article about it, didn't confirm anything. Well, why would you in reporting? She's like, my ears said uh, that this person, I heard retarded, so that's definitely what he said in the song. And wrote an article. It was instantly debunked. Um, so imagine how embarrassing that is, number one. But number two, that that's a slight on Nintendo's um, reputation. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the day after Metroid Dread came out, uh, Kotaku published a piece talking about how great it's running on Switch emulators. Emulators are a way to play video games without paying for them. In other words, pirate them. Hmm. And, uh, you know, lots of gamers pirate old games that you can't get a hold of anymore, like Game Boy games or N64 games. But it's considered in poor taste to pirate games that are brand new. (laughs) It does seem like it's in poor taste. Yes. So, basically, Kotaku was coming out and advocating for the idea of, uh, you know, pirating uh, this game that people have been looking forward to and just came out. And there's countless other examples. Obviously, anytime Kotaku publishes any article, it's critical. And not only critical, but usually critical in the most stupid way. Mm-hmm. Like, just taking the weirdest takes. Um, one that comes to mind is about how the Resident Evil remake that came out a couple years ago glorified police. And uh, the article had random random tidbits in there about police violence even though the story of the game is you are a police officer who is trying to save a town from zombies like just i mean just listen to any of our podcast episodes and you will see the ridiculous takes that kotaku regularly comes up with 
So it's really not surprising to me, uh, and I don't blame Nintendo for blacklisting um, Kotaku. But how this story plays out is just pretty hilarious. Bananas. So I'm going to read from Bounding Into Comics. Kotaku journalist Luke Plunkett insinuates a desire for anti-Japanese violence in response to Nintendo denying the outlet a review copy of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Further proving the already widely held opinion that most mainstream video game journalists are no better than the straw men they claim to fight against, Kotaku journalist Luke Plunkett recently responded to a round of discourse regarding the outlet's blacklisting by Nintendo with an image that insinuated a desire for anti-Japanese violence. Kotaku's latest episode of self-embarrassment was first sparked on April 26th when staff writer Ethan Gack took to his personal Twitter account to bemoan the fact that the outlet was not provided a review copy of the highly anticipated The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Quoting Gack. Gatch. I don't know how you pronounce Gach. 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 It's preview day for Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, a huge game I would love for Kotaku to be able to inform its millions of readers about firsthand. Wind Gack. By the way, he's a writer, and that's like one of the w- weirdest ways to write that sentence I've ever seen. Um, terrible. Terrible. Unfortunately, Nintendo still has it blacklisted from advanced coverage, a move I would argue is both unprofessional and coercive. Mm. Mm, boo-hoo. Gah. Yeah. Boo-hoo. Yet what Gah notably <laughs> failed to mention in his attempt at righteous in- indignation is the fact that no Kotaku's blacklisting was nobody f- nobody's fault but their own. Yada, yada, yada. The article talks about some of the reasons that they may be blacklisted, mm-hmm. which we've already talked about. Shortly after he hit send, whining would see him and, and the outlet as a whole inundated with criticism, most of which was focused on the outlet's aforementioned lack of journalistic integrity and the fact that they were attempting to shift the blame for their blacklisting away from their own actions. However, Rather than engage in even a moment of self-reflection, Gah decided to add to Kotaku's history of acting like petulant children by responding to the criticism uh, by publishing a self-explanatory article detailing everything we're learning about Zelda Tears of the Kingdom from the leaks. A response that was soon met with backlash all its own. So, we've got Kotaku complaining that they're being blacklisted. You know, like it's like a toddler crying that they're in a timeout, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of using that timeout to think about their actions and maybe reflect and decide to be better, this toddler decides, I'm going to double, triple, quadruple down on my bad behavior. I'm going to write articles about um, pirating Nintendo software. I'm going to write articles claiming that uh, Nintendo uses the word retarded in their music. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write an article spoiling the very game that we're not able to review. Early. Yes. It's just, it's ridiculous. And it's not journalism. If anyone wants to look up leaks... They I mean, can do that. Yeah, I mean, like, every game nowadays, every piece of media leaks early, it seems like. Yes, and but so, people don't... Your millions of followers, per se, wouldn't want your leaks. Yes. They want to enjoy the game. They maybe want to have... I don't know. I don't, I don't know what people want to know before a game releases, but, like... Any spoilers, I feel like real gamers would be kind of disappointed in. Um, That's just my opinion. You're right. And to their credit, they didn't post the le- the leaks directly on Twitter where everyone would see it. They posted a link to the leaks. Um, so you like, have to click to spoil yourself. Oh! But, but 
yes, that is giving them quite the uh, quite a bit of amount of grace. It's funny because um, the article uh, shows a picture from Magfest 2023. I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast, but I think we did. But uh, Magfest, a convention for video game uh, lovers, uh, they have signs up around their uh, you know convention center. And, you know, pointing you in different directions. If you want to go see this panel, go over here. If you want to go play this game, go over here. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end, at the bottom of the uh, key, so to speak, it says Kotaku's journalistic integrity. And it says 404, not found. Um, Just taking a little jab at Kotaku. And apparently Kotaku complained about it. Or someone well, did, and they, they took did. it down, and they made a big, big deal apology when it was just meant in jest. And by the way, they shouldn't have. It, that was funny. It was funny stuff. They should have known if they know enough about Kotaku to know they have no journalistic integrity. They should have known that Kotaku was going to uh, complain. Yes, yes, and that they would be crucified for it and canceled and all that good stuff. No one cares. Anyway, after that article uh, spoiling uh, Tears of the Kingdom came out, Plunkett did some stupid stuff. Mm. So a senior editor for the outlet. Luke Plunkett joined the conversation on May 3rd to defend his colleague Gak, sharing a tweet by Game Slush Pile, who, after seeing Gak's pretty petty leak coverage, questioned, You complain about Nintendo blacklisting you, then post spoilers based on leaks? Who is being unprofessional here? Um, Plunkett declared that as, quote, very normal behavior. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty normal to criticize an outlet for being childish. Um, he says later, I am years past caring about or caring what these people say. He added, I am simply aghast at the fanatical fervor with which it's thrown in 2023. Dude, if you want to talk about fanatical fervor, look at your own publication. I mean, you guys are nothing but crap stirrers Mm -hmm. every day in, uh, day in and day out. You do nothing but stir the pot. And yet he's aghast at the fact that other people might, you know, stand up for, for themselves or call Kotaku out on their bullcrap. The article continues, then allowing his mask to fully slip, Plunkett concluded his rant by highlighting a historic World War II era photo of 356th Fighter Squadron Commanding Officer Lieutenant Colonel James H. Howard sitting in his P-51B-5 Mustang a type, in air, a type of airplane, showing off his victory markings detailing his confirmed kills against both Nazi Germany, Germany and, more specifically, Imperial Japan. For the record, he concluded, obviously posting it with aggressive intent, this is how I feel about publisher blacklists. So, imagine you work for an outlet and you get blacklisted by a major publisher because of your history of being a terrible, a terrible outlet. And you respond with a picture, and I'm not even sure what he was trying to say here. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he wasn't trying to incite violence with this with this tweet. What else could he be saying? He's showing a picture of a of a pilot from World War II showing off badges of his confirmed kills. Is he is he saying he wears the blacklist uh, like that's a confirmed kill? And he feels proud about it, and he wants to get blacklisted more. I don't know. I I don't really. I couldn't. I can't interpret this image in any other way than like a violent intent. Because 
in case you didn't know, Nintendo is Japanese. Mm -hmm. And here you've got this pilot sitting in his um, aircraft, and he's got Nazi symbols on his plane and rising sun symbols on his plane. Each one an indication of a confirmed kill against a Nazi or a Japanese soldier. In general, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, you kind of look at the tweet and you're like, what? Like... It wasn't well thought out in the first place, but then what it could insinuate, which if that was done to him, he'd be like, oh my gosh, Kotaku's under attack. We're going to be bombed. Yeah. I I just don't understand what they're... Uh... What they're going for here. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, a, little, it's a little ridiculous. And, uh, you know, it's just funny to me that... Do they actually expect this to work? Like... Um, insulting the publisher that they want to unblacklist them. Do you think that's going to work? I mean, I I don't see how that's that's a bold move. I don't see how that's going to work out. Um, so someone named Flamenco TV, um, probably a streamer or something. He responded to Plunkett's tweet with the image of the World War II pilot and says, "Well." Because they blacklisted us for uploading a step-by-step guide on how to pirate their software on Kotaku, I think we will show Nintendo our staff's maturity by implying we want to kill the ethnically Japanese publishers. And uh, Luke responded to that and said, The absolute state of this website. I'm sorry, Luke. What, What other... Yeah, what did you mean? What other, yeah, what other conclusion are your... Are, are people who see your public tweet supposed to draw? I mean, you're the very same type of person working for Kotaku who would, if you saw anyone on the right making a tweet like this, you would instantly call them out as racist mm-hmm. and you would call them a white nationalist. Mm-hmm. You would write some 1,200-word article about how the gaming industry causes real-world real violence. Mm-hmm. And here you are, on the other end, being the problem and you're just brushing it off as, oh, people are taking this the wrong way. The absolute, how dare people think that way about what I tweeted? Yeah. And he uh, apparently deleted the tweet and locked his account, um, oh. which isn't that an admission of guilt there, Plunkett? It's a coward's move. I mean, these people. I, these I, people. I don't know how they even get ready, how they get dressed in the morning. Um... I don't really care about Zelda that much, so I'm gonna quick. I'm gonna see if I can uh, see how much they spoil uh, the game. Hmm. Uh, no, Rayla, what are your thoughts on all this? Um, I just you always have to love when a big wig like Plunkett's like he's a bigger wig when he wants to stoop down. And he wasn't even, and he was like, he was stooping down to someone saying, isn't it kind of unprofessional that you're whining about being blacklisted? Like, that's all that this random tweeter said. And then he comes to stoop down to, to quote unquote, their level. And then I, 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 just, I just love that. I just love it when someone who's, you know, higher up, whether it's in their company or an elite holiday wood or something like that, decides that they're going to get so butthurt that they're just going to further prove a point and shove their foot in their mouth. And say stuff like this, like, and then of course, of course, taking, always taking a little bit of time to play the victim card, always play the victim card. They've got like stacks and stacks and stacks of those in their back pocket. Yeah. 
So I'm looking at the spoiler uh, article, and actually, to their credit, they don't spoil anything story-wise, except uh, kind of how the game starts. Um, but they don't talk about major plot points. They just talk about kind of the game mechanics. Um, so it could be worse, but still, you know, it comes off as kind of an immature response. I mean, you right. don't see... Games leak all the time, again, and you don't see publisher... Or I'm sorry, the media really covering it. They try... Because... Usually when a game is leaked, it's devastating for the developers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, when Last of Us leaked early, it was a big deal for mm. the developers. And, you know, it's it's sad. You work on something for years and then some disgruntled employee leaks it and people don't get to experience it all at the same time. Right. Um, under the same conditions. Yeah, absolutely. And it ruins it for some people because some people are, you know, people will take those spoilers and just like DM them to random people because they're jerks. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, it's kind of got the same energy. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, that's uh, that's Kotaku, everyone. Just remember who you're dealing with when you're when you're talking about Kotaku. Um, so Super Mario Bros. Uh, came out, and uh, you know, it, when I heard that it was going to be voiced, uh, Mario would be voiced by Chris Pratt. I was like, this is gonna be awful. Haven't seen it yet, but it is going. Really now? Why did really you think? Well. Now why did you think it was going to be awful? Because Mario purely from that from that information, Mario's voice is iconic. Yes, yes. And to replace it with just some random, you know, Chris Pratt isn't even really a voice actor. No, no. It's Chris Pratt, right? Yes, Chris. I, I believe Chris Pratt is Mario, but no, he's not a. voice Either way, actor. it's it's someone who isn't a voice actor. Yeah. So he's not even trying. He just sounds like himself. He just sounds like Chris Pratt. It to me that would be jarring. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I can understand the idea that uh, Mario's voice only really works for short little clips because it's right. so exaggerated. Mm -hmm. His accent, yeah, there to hear him t t carry on a whole conversation in the Mario would be, voice would be a lot. I don't no, know. No, but I just want, no, no. I, I think that was important to to know just like why you thought it like it would be crap because there's like there's lots of reactions like um, I think there's lots of reactions like that to movies like that, and I think they're kind of important. Um, so, because that would be the same to me too, and it, it would be it. My reasoning would be the same too. I'd be like, he's not, he's not when you envisioned for an iconic voice. If Mario didn't have such an iconic voice, it probably wouldn't matter as much. But yeah. fans are going in with a very specific mindset of what this guy's gonna, what this guy's gonna sound like. And if you've seen anything of Chris Pratt's, you're like, don't know how you're gonna pull this off. Yeah, and that's just. That's just how it is. And I knew the movie would be good when I saw the review, the critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, like gave uh, crappy reviews. It gave like a fifty-five percent to the movie, mm -hmm. but audience scores were like eighty or ninety. We should see this. Yeah, we should. It'd be cute. Um, I definitely want to see it once the girls are a little bit older. Oh, that'd be cute too. But uh, before the movie came out, there is actually another Mario movie from like the eighties or something, and it stars. It's live action, and I'm sure it's awful. I don't it even need to watch it. It has to be terrible. But there's a, a, apparently a real Italian that plays Mario in that movie. His name is John Leguizamo. Leguizamo. Something like that. Pretty Italian sounding, right? Yes. Before the movie came out, he uh, was criticizing the movie because it lacks diversity. According to him, it's not okay that um, there's so many white people involved when he himself is white. It's kind of ridiculous. Actually, you know what? I think 
I don't want to say this because I might be wrong, but I think he might not be Italian, but he might be Hispanic. I think I remember hearing... I thought that... I thought... I feel like you and I, like, on our own have talked about that, that it was a Hispanic person that played. Yeah. Either way, though... Um, it, if it's a, if if it's a Hispanic playing Mario, it's wrong to begin with because Mario's Italian. Mm-hmm. But if it's an Italian uh, upset that Chris Pratt, a white guy, is playing Mario, you're both white guys. Yeah. So yes. either way, his complaints aren't really based in anything. Mm-hmm. And adding diversity to a movie for the sake of diversity is always a stupid idea. We've talked about this many times. It's yeah. just dumb. It's just so, dumb. And, you know, his his complaints always come up, uh, come off as like just like a has-been, just jealous that... He doesn't get. He, he wants money. He wants work. He knows that he, if he were hired to be the voice actor for this movie, he'd make bank. But uh, so he's I mean, jealous. Did he go audition or? Well, of course he's not going to beat out Chris Pratt. You don't know that though. You don't. Know, I would hope. I would hope that Chris Pratt would show up and you'd be like, "Whoa, this dude, Chris Pratt wants to be in a movie. That's a huge name." But then this guy shows up. I would hope that myself, like as a director or producer, if I was in that room and he happened to have a better voice, I would choose the better voice because I was more Sometimes, interested. Sometimes to the, a point because name recognition would, is a huge thing. I do know that. Like when like, you hear that Jack Black is Bowser, I mean that's just oh, hilarious. Yes. yes. Oh, I that's mean, awesome. Everyone, it's it, suddenly you're like, "Whoa, Jack Black!" Like. You don't think of Bowser having Jack Black's voice, but, but you know Jack Black is an incredible vocalist. But you, but it's, but see, that's the reason you know you know Jack Black is one a huge name, but more so you know of you know of Jack Black's entire range, and you're like, oh, he could pull this off yeah. in a really enjoyable way. Whereas Chris Pratt, just like you said, he doesn't have an, a voice recognition like that. Yeah, and um, so you would hope that you know, besides just name recognition that maybe if this guy came and auditioned for this movie again, he would get it if he had the better voice. Yeah. And I, so I think there's a little bit of a difference because yes, Jack Black is a huge name, but he also has the talent to be able to do this. Where Chris Pratt, the only thing I think we've heard him in that wasn't like him was the Onward movie. Yeah. He's the brother. And that was good because he didn't have to, you didn't have any, I guess, expectation. Yeah. So anyway, I digress. Regardless though, it's great to see a movie that um, you know people are criticizing for not being woke enough just go gangbusters at the theater. It That's just proves great. that it just proves like how crazy the media is and how they do not reflect the values of the real world mm-hmm. in any way. And that's why it's so good to just disconnect from that because it's not true. Like no one, the vast majority of people do not care about diversity for diversity's sake. It feels that way. Yes, and I think, but it's not true. And if I was in the media and I heard like my company was wanting to like raz on this movie, I would already like jump to the gun and be like, Mario's a beloved character. Like regardless of if even if. Even if all of our readers believe us, this movie is still going to explode because this is something that people for years and years and years have had in their lives. Like Mario has followed the span of like, like our parents have could have played a Mario game, had mm-hmm. Mario game accessible to us. Our kids have Mario games. Like Mario will follow the span of time. So like having a movie like that come out, it's going to be successful because people that's been a part of a lot of people's lives for their entire life. Well, and so like I said, there was already a, a live action Mario and it sucked. So the, people do care about quality stuff. They do. But if, but if they saw it was going to be an animated movie that you're already feeling better about that. Yeah. Because obviously all Mario games are, are games, video games are animated. And so 
I think they're already getting in over their head trying to convince people that this is going to suck or like this is not okay. Like this is just going to blow up and I would be embarrassed as a media company to go up against something that regardless of what you think was going to be huge just for the sake of like what Mario means like in the gaming world. And on the flip side, you know, just a little bit before the Mario movie came out, there was that Strange World uh, Disney movie where they, before it came out, they just kept touting its diversity and inclusion. Um, this article says, after mediocre attempts at inclusivity and representation, Strange World feels like Disney has made its biggest and most genuine step toward equality. Well, guess what happened when that movie came out? This was at the end of last year. Disney's Strange World to lose $100 million in theatrical run. I thought this lost a lot of money because they literally didn't advertise it. And they didn't advertise it. Usually if you're not marketing something... Disney knows how to market. Yes. Usually if they're not marketing something, it's because they know it's a dud. I haven't seen the movie myself, but um, that's part of the problem. Yeah. So they no already one, no knew. No one heard of it. No one right. knew. And it but the only, up. the only thing I heard about this movie was about its diversity and inclusion. People hear that. They see that. And they go, if that's all that you can tell me about this movie, that means there's nothing redeeming about it. And I'm not going to watch it. That makes sense. Yeah, that, exactly. ma- that makes sense. Yeah. So it, this, this is a perfect example of inclusivity for inclusivity's sake mm-hmm. doing nothing to make the product better. Right. As a matter of fact, it made it worse because all you did was all the executives and producers worried about was the inclusivity component, which the world does not care about. And it's reassuring to me. It, it fills me with hope to yes. know that people care about quality and they care about story and so they care, is about, the, care like, about characterization. The movie didn't do well was the movie good at all or was it because people barely heard about it it wasn't marketed and then it wasn't marketed in the right way let's do this let's look it up on rotten tomatoes because if they would have marketed the way that people wanted to be marketed to when it comes to a disney movie and it was successful then you could have jumped on your whole inclusion strange world 72 percent from critics so not great not bad but not great definitely better than mario bros but mario bros I'll look that up after this. Mario Bros. had like a 55% from critics, but audiences loved it. The audience score was only 66. So about the same as the reviewers, but lower. Okay. And so it sounds like it's not a good movie. 66 Mm -hmm. is not good. Mm -hmm. Um, Super Mario Bros. I tend to normally go with what audiences said in movies. You should. I used to trust the critics, but the critics have gotten so everything. If a critic says a movie is bad, you know it's probably good. Um, critics said Super Mario Bros. movie, 59%, but audience score, 96. That's insane. People love this movie. Of course they do. So, um, it so, just goes to show, man. So we still don't know what Strange, Stranger World is about. Strange World? Yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. It came out, lost tons of money for, you know, lots of different reasons. Poor marketing, basically. And yet people... Still, like, it's been out for a while now. People still don't know what it's... People who haven't watched it still don't know what it's about because Disney didn't figure out, oh, we didn't market this right. Let's... Now that it's out, let's, like, try and remarket it. They didn't do that. It still is doing poorly because no one knows what it's about. That's hilarious. Yeah. They can't even figure it out once they're realizing this is doing poorly. Yeah, go broke. Go broke. Not always the case, but uh, when it is, it's nice. But think about movies that came out recently that are incredibly diverse. Well, not even diverse. Like... A movie that comes to mind right away is uh, Coco. 
Pixar movie. movie. And it's, it's not diverse because everyone's it's, it's a, Hispanic. It's a, it's a Hispanic. But it's a it's movie. not it's not based on white people. No. Um but that movie's incredible. It's amazing. But guess what? The the identities of the people are are not the forefront. The the story is. The, right. the story is about it's just incredibly touching the mm-hmm. story about death and loss and family and um and, and it gets it, it gives and you and gives you into a, and a really and creative look into Dia de los Muertos. Like that's like the way that they had like the the portal of the worlds and things like that. Like what a cool way to learn about right like a, a holiday we don't celebrate. Like it was just super unique. Yeah, and you can tell that that movie was not made. You can tell that they didn't come in and say, maybe this, I'm wrong, but they didn't come in and say we need a movie that isn't about white people. We're gonna force this. Someone came up with a cool idea to say, what if we did a Pixar movie about De La... De La what? Dia de los Muertos. Thank you. Dio de las Muertos. Mortos. Whatever. Uh, thank you. I got you. Um, and they come up with this beautiful concept. It's it's not diversity for diversity's sake. I remember when it came out, and it was a while ago, I remember when it came out, there was this one girl that was um, in the same... had the same scholarship that I did, so like I was around her a lot, and I remember her doing this whole like Hispanic rant thing, like... Finally, I'm seeing myself represented. And woke culture really wasn't there yet. Like, definitely what it is what it is now wasn't there when I was in college. Because I'm still a conservative. <laughs> I convert in college, which everyone does. Um, so I remember her saying it. And I remember that thing alone completely turned me off. Because I was like, oh, did Pixar make a movie that isn't even supposed to be geared towards me? And it wasn't, when you watch the movie, you don't get the sense that it's only for Hispanics to watch. Hispanics are definitely going to understand it more and probably enjoy it more, especially if they celebrate that holiday. But that movie was for everyone to, like, really, like, enjoy something, like, precious and really beautiful and and, and all that. So it definitely wasn't marketed to, like, just the Hispanic culture. And it shouldn't have been. Yeah. So. But that had diversity, idiots. Moving on, uh, proving how evil Wizards of the Coast is. Um, this is a story. Magic publishers sent Pinkerton agents to a YouTuber's house to retrieve leak, leaked cards. This is a story from Polygon. When Magic the Gathering cards turned up on YouTube last week, publisher Wizards of the Coast sent private investigators from Pinkerton to retrieve them. The resulting confrontation reportedly frightened one woman to tears and resulting in the confiscation of nearly two dozen boxes of cards by private investigators. Wizards confirmed the incident to Polygon. Meanwhile, the presenter denies anything illegal occurred. So I'm going to sum this up real quick, then we'll get into the article. But basically what I understand is somehow this YouTuber got early access to Magic the Gathering trading cards. Magic the Gathering is a trading card well i don't even know if it's a trading card game but it's a card game you buy cards some of these cards go for thousands of dollars you use them in battles against other players and uh this new set leaked early somehow he got a hold of it and he shared it on youtube wizards of the coast could have done could have handled this any number of ways but they decided to send private security agents to this guy's house and what i heard and i don't know if it's true but what i heard is they took not only the leaked cards but all of his collection which is not even legal. And so... It's stealing. Yeah, let's get into this. So at some point on April 20th, YouTube YouTube channel Old School MTG published a video showing the opening of a box of collector booster packs from March of the Machine, The Aftermath. Just one of 22 boxes uh, the channel said were purchased from an acquaintance. 
Little has been re re revealed about the set so far, which is not unexpected, which is not expected to arrive in stores until May 12th. As a result, the video was quickly downloaded and used as fuel for reaction videos all over the internet. Later on April 22nd, Old School MTG published another video explaining what had happened. I got up and recorded some videos, the presenter said in the video. Right after I got done with the video, dogs started barking because somebody was knocking at the door. I come out and the wife's answering the door and it was the Pinkertons. Um, so first of all, very creepy. How did Wizards of the Coast like find this guy? That is creepy. That is creepy. They found his address and like immediately. Yeah. Some and I don't know how big this YouTube channel is, but Wizards found the video, found the it's found out that it was leaked, and instantly got agents to go to his house. And the damage was already done at this point. The videos were published. Right, and downloaded. And... The name Pinkerton should ring a bell for our American readers. The modern-day Pinkertons are descended from the original original Pinkerton Detective Agency, which was founded in Chicago, Illinois, more than 170 years ago. The company has played a role in major historical events, not the least of which was its stint as a violent, strike-breaking, private paramilitary force in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Pinkerton, now a subsidiary subsidiary of Paragon Systems currently counts security and loss prevention among its many services. Wizards confirmed to Polygon the Pinkertons were involved in the incident. The presenter at Old School MTG described the agents as big heavy hitter guys who frightened his wife. The Pinkertons arrived with contact information for someone at Wizards of the Coast and, after speaking with them, the presenter said they made the decision to pull their original videos down. Quote, he was very apologetic about making my wife cry first thing in the morning by sending these heavy-duty lawmen to come collect stuff and talk about stolen products in jail time, the presenter said in the video. But they don't believe we stole anything, which we didn't. I don't know if they believe anybody really stole anything or if it was just an accident or whatever, but they wanted the product back so they could try and figure out where the hole was so they could plug the hole. So somehow, someone got a hold of these cards early, sold them to this guy, and he made videos on it. So he paid his own money. It's not... At that point... They're, I don't care what, they're out, they're out. They're I don't care what you say. At that point, they're his property. Yeah. The The leak was somewhere else. It wasn't this guy. Yeah. Okay? And um, if he paid for the cards, you should you should have come with a bag full of money and gave him that before you took his cards. They could have, Wizards could have handled this anyway. Um, the cards only leaked, what, three weeks early? Couldn't Wizards of the Coast, you know, done the smart thing PR-wise and just said, hey, our bad, we're going to release this set early now that they're out in the wild. They're ready to go, clearly. No, yeah. they had to send Pinkerton, and now they just made themselves look even worse. Wizards already looks ridiculous Terrible. from D&D nonsense that we've yeah. talked about. Um, continuing on, uh, Wizards of the, of the Coast can confirm that, yes, this is part of their investigation, a representative told Polygon. In the video, the presenter goes on to extrapolate what they think happened in this situation. It's possible they say that someone somewhere in the distribution chain accidentally mistook March of the Machine product for March of the Machine the Aftermath product. Yeah, that seems like a very common mistake. March of the Machine apparently is a set that's already out in the wild and has been out for a while. But the new set that was leaked early is called March of the Machine, the Aftermath. Seems reasonable that someone could accidentally mess that up. But anyway, yeah. whether it was done on purpose or on accident, it's not this guy's fault. He bought the cards legitimately. <laughs> Quote, somebody screwed up and sent out the wrong cases to the gentleman that I bought the boxes off of because when he told me when he sold me the stuff, he said he was selling me March of the Machine collector's boxes, not Aftermath. He didn't really even know what Aftermath really was, I don't think. Uh, engaging private 
investigators to retrieve stolen or missing trading cards is not a particularly new or novel strategy for game publishers. Just last week, Polygon reported on a similar incident dating back to 2021 involving products from the Pokemon trading card game, which were also retrieved with the help of a private investigator. The presenter in this instance said in the video that the person they spoke with from Wizards seemed to understand they were not at fault. In fact, they were eager to compensate the YouTuber for the purchase of the cards, potentially in the form of more appropriate replacement product. So that's good. But uh, why didn't you do that before sending private agents to this guy's house? Absolutely. You knew you had like a, a scare tactic in mind. You wanted you wanted this, this sort of reaction. And I'm not seeing anything about uh, his entire collection being st- taken. So I don't know if that's true. But uh, he says at the end, I no longer have the product. The Pinkertons took everything to take back to Wizards of the Coast. That includes empty boxes and wrappers. I don't even have a token to show for my efforts, he added with a laugh before noting his channel had recently doubled in viewership. Well, at least he got that out of it. I wonder if the Pinkertons were like, this is such a waste of my time and energy. Well, they get paid. They don't care. That's true. They're like mercenaries. All right, one last thing, and then we'll call it quits here. Um, We talked about Cleopatra, the Netflix show that's going to make Cleopatra black, even though she was Greek. Slash Egyptian. Twills. Um, here's a story from Greek City Times. Uh, cancel Queen Cleopatra on Netflix for falsifying history. Um, so, what am I looking at here? Over 85,000 people from all the world in less than two days signed this petition... But for some unknown reason, the petition has been removed from the change.org platform. So change.org is obviously a site where anyone can make a petition, and it means nothing. But you can have people digitally sign it to just show social support for a movement. Someone started this Cancel Queen Cleopatra uh, petition on change.org because, as we said, I think in our last episode, people are very upset with the idea that we are blackwashing Queen Cleopatra, and we're doing it with other historical figures, and it's just laughable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, you know, Netflix is literally appropriating uh, black or uh, Egyptian culture, but they don't care because it's okay if you do it if the if the person that benefits or the the race that benefits is black people, I guess. But uh, according to Reddit, um, the uh, the two Egyptians started the petition. It got a hundred thousand signatures, and then Change.org took the petition down. Um, I'm not sure if any reason has been given, but uh, sounds incredibly shady to me. Now, again, the petition would have done nothing. Right. But the fact that they took it down, which yeah. also does nothing, yeah, says a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't have really anything more to add to that. Just, uh, just pointing it out that uh, we live in a crazy world, folks. Like, we live in a world now where it's not okay to take minority characters and make them white but it's definitely okay and even encouraged socially and politically um to take characters that are a different minority group not even white people but white adjacent and make them black white adjacent yeah (gasps) make martin luther king jr white yeah then yeah anyway uh, that's all we got for tonight, folks. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, patreon.com slash Scrivenaut, S-C-R-I-V-O-N-A-U-T. Throw some money our way. Um, otherwise, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Scrivenaut. At Norella underscore 19. And uh, take care, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.